Hello, everybody. This is Brian. And this is John. Are we on episode five I, now? I think so. I think that sounds right. Here we are in episode five. Time is going so fast these days. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. How have you been, John? I've been doing all right. How about yourself? I have been so tired this week. I, I, I fell off my sleep cycle, I want to say, around Tuesday. Got up around 4 in the morning, maybe a little bit earlier. And 4 o'clock is that terrible hour where if it was 3 o'clock, I could get back to sleep. If it was 5, I'm just going to wake up and be fine. But no, it has to be 4, and that's just the worst time to wake up. You're not too far separated from the off hours of early parenthood either, are you? So th- no, is, it, <laughs> is it somewhat? I actually did okay with that. That was that was fine. It's uh, my wife and I actually took shifts. We uh, we broke the night into four equal parts and would just stay up with the baby. You know, we go uh, on and off. So long night. as there's consistency, I can get behind that. Yeah. So on that topic, speaking of being tired and something I'm going to segue into today's topic, John, what is your caffeine of choice? Because caffeine's been at the top of my mind this week. I'm usually a coffee guy, so I'll have a coffee in the morning. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I, I am very much a coffee. Even before the sleep issues this week, I would drink, honestly, a bit too much. I would drink about a pot. I, I have an old-fashioned drip coffee maker at home, and I'll, I'll just drink a pot of coffee a day, and it's probably not the best thing for me. I'm about a half pot, so I, I feel a little bit Do you better. do the drip, or are you a, are you, you yeah. know, a Keurig uh, pod person? We've done them both, so um, I think Rachel made a decision that it's very wasteful to use the Keurig. That it is. So we, yep. So we decided to go with the more old-fashioned approach and attempt to be a little bit more sustainable, I guess. Okay. Well, I wanted to today talk about the price of a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking about in terms of dollars and cents. Instead, I want to talk about really the time we spend on any given rush morning to get that cup of coffee going. Show of hands out there, how many of us wish we had more hours in the day to get things done? Not a very novel question, is it? You can't throw a stone without hitting somebody trying to rush just to get ahead. It seems like work hours just keep getting longer, family obligations keep growing, and we haven't even mentioned the hours we're asleep, something none of us get enough of these days. Few of us have a plan to get ahead anymore. The most any of us really hope for is a plan to simply stop falling behind. But why is this, and how do we get here? Do we really have so much on our plate that the 16 to 18 hours we're awake just aren't enough? Or is there something we can do to better manage our time and hopefully bring some sanity back into our schedule? So today's topic is one that we can probably come back to a number of times. 
I don't think there's any shortage of people who feel like there's not enough hours in their day. And there's not just one solution for that, and I think we could probably go a couple months just doing an episode per strategy to deal with it. And I just wanted to go over a couple today. First, I want to give some background on what made me think of this topic. A lot of what John and I do at work is pretty custom built based on a client need. That being said, I see a lot of value in building out SOP documents or templates to help during these projects. And this is something I've been trying to do for probably the past year when I can find time to dedicate to it. John, I think our, uh, I think our boss just voluntold you recently to uh, help me with it, if I recall. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Kind of establishing those uh, swim lanes that we can all stay in. I agree. I, I agree with the benefit of the SOP, so I am well on board. Given that we do a lot of custom build solutions, one obvious question might be, why am I trying to make something prepackaged? And it can appear that doing that kind of takes the focus away from those custom builds uh, and, and makes the whole process somewhat cookie cutter. But in reality, taking care of the, the standard boilerplate stuff at the beginning really helps us focus more on that customization. And I actually compare this to a, a really weird thing that I like to do on vacations. Normally, I'm not an over planner. I do actually love over planning a vacation. And people ask me, why doesn't that take you out of the moment to have like every minute of your trip planned? And I say no, because when I have everything planned, it's easy to go off that plan really quickly and, and not have it mess up the rest of my vacation. So it's paradoxically easier to go off script when you actually have a script to begin with. You would not do well with my family vacations. We typically no. don't have money plans outside of, well, let's go grab a bite to eat or let's go grab a drink. So. Oh, I, I like having a I like having a good a good strategy in place for vacations, and I guess that's probably taking some of the fun out of it, perhaps. Uh, but good on you. I, <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, you know, kind of in the vein of that work topic and then transitioning into vacations. I think this is something that we can really apply to our daily lives as well. Uh, in terms of tackling this episode's challenge. When I think to myself, man, I, I don't have enough hours in my day, what I've been realizing lately is, you know, honestly, there are. I'm just trying to cram too much into a specific moment in that day. And if I could spread that moment out over a longer period, I'd probably be fine. So what I've been doing lately, and I, I want to spend some time, John, seeing if, if this makes sense on your side as well, breaking my daily tasks, my daily routines into three buckets. The first, what can I automate? After that, of the things that I can't automate, what has to be done manually, but actually in the moment? And third, what things can happen at any time, but aren't really confined by any kind of specific deadline? And if that sounds kind of confusing, let's go back to our coffee discussion, right? So what do I have to do to have a hot, fresh cup of coffee in the morning as soon as I wake up? Really, the only in-the-moment activity that I need to do is technically hitting my coffee maker's on button, right? Everything else can happen outside of that moment. I grind my own beans in the morning, put them in that little paper filter, fill the coffee maker with water. I can do all that whenever. You know, I can make that the last thing I do at night to prep for the following morning. And then in terms of automation, technically every coffee maker has a built-in function to start on a timer. So, you know, we're spending anywhere from a couple minutes brewing uh, a coffee pod, if you're a Keurig user, to maybe 10 minutes if you, like me, grind your own beans and set up the drip maker. Every minute that we spend in the morning 
that feels like a rush because morning routines are always hectic, if we can get that back, that's going to be a win for us. Does that make sense? I think I follow, and we do do the coffee pot example. I don't know why I don't. It's yeah. a really good idea. We don't use the, the timer feature, but we do prep either the night before or one of us kind of takes it on to do it the morning if somebody's getting up early. So we do kind of eliminate some wasted time of the versus the in the moment. As you describe these, uh, you know, using the coffee example as a way to try to automate some things, I can't help but think that, man, I could get back some time uh, sleeping in the morning. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, I, I think we're all getting pretty used to having a little bit more time to, to sleep in in the morning since we yeah True. we are working at home. A lot of us are, not everybody. Uh, are you, John, are you ready to go back to the office waking up even earlier to get ready for your commute? Absolutely not. Me either. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that's going to be a big shock. Yeah, I think it is going to be, and I and not that I'm hoping, but I'm anticipating uh, maybe a hybrid model in the in the future. But I think that's I a, think a lot of companies are going to go in that direction. Yeah, it's it seems like the most logical choice right now. But I think that's a conversation for another day. A very good topic for the day, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's actually a, an interesting topic uh, in so far as for those who are interested in you know really protecting this work life balance that we're developing during this work from home time if your company does decide hey we're going back to the good old days where we're in the office five days a week what's that going to mean for us are are we going to say i'm not really interested or or, are we going to be looking for new gigs that allow us to maintain some of this freedom that we've proved we can be effective during from working at home but yeah whole whole another segment whole another episode i like it though I do too. But uh, going back to today's topic, so I'll give a few more examples of what I've been thinking I can do a bit better. And, and John, I want to hear from you as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, speaking of getting up early in the morning, something I have not been doing very much lately and I, I probably need to get back to, I used to go running every morning. And I mean early, like five o'clock or so. And what I found was, and I think a lot of people are this way, if I gave my brain even a couple minutes in bed to really come up with excuses to not get up, to stay in bed, to go back to sleep. It was very efficient at doing that. (laughs) And what I found was if I get all of my stuff set up, I have my running shoes at the bottom of my bed. I have the workout clothes I'm going to wear ready to go, headphones ready to go, and I can get prepped early. My brain doesn't have a chance to even come up with an excuse, right? I'm awake, I'm up, I'm out the door. So being able to prep for my run the night before didn't just save me time in the morning. It made me more likely to actually go on that run. I think that's a great example, and I and not that I can say that I get up and run in the morning, but I'm very much the same way to where if I made the decision that I want to do something, um, using exercise as an example, I went out and bought a new pair of uh, exercise shoes, and first thing I did was leave them right by the door to remind myself what I wanted to do. Not really an example of automation, but maybe motivation, and I think that might be kind of relevant to your example there. And the other thing I... I... I don't do this, and I really should. I I keep telling myself to meal prep in two ways. One, you know, the night before, I think most of the time I spend getting ready for a meal, and and I'll say I'm I'm not quite a vegetarian, but we've been trying to eat significantly less meat, more veggies lately, and a lot of my time goes towards honestly just peeling and chopping vegetables. 
And I don't necessarily need to do that while I'm cooking, right? The, the only in-the-moment things that have to happen when I'm cooking is putting heat to food. Any chopping I need to do, any prep, I could do that the night before. And, and not even just that. I could get food ready days before, right? A lot of people will meal prep on Sunday, either just chopping and getting things ready or full-blown cooking meals and putting them in the fridge to eat throughout the week. And I, I love that idea. I just don't do it. Yeah, and when we were prepping for this episode, I didn't even consider an example like that. But now that you're mentioning that, I didn't really consider that as a, an example of kind of maybe not necessarily automating, but making it easier on my future self. Whenever Rachel and I are cooking, um, if we're, we're chopping an onion or, or cutting a tomato, usually I don't use a full onion or, or maybe use two full tomatoes for a recipe. So we'll still either chop, dice, or you know, what have you, our vegetables and, and store them for the next meal, yeah, like tacos or something like that um, is a good example when making the onions. I'll make a pico or something like that using the leftover ingredients. Um, thinking like a true chef, I feel like, but really it's just kind of Rachel plans the, the, the menu for the week and she knows we're going to be using these leftover ingredients. So she's, <laughs> she's the brains behind the operation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not good at the logistics of food. I, I'm uh, <sighs> not at all. No, I, I, uh, honestly, I, I need to do a better job of even knowing what I want to cook in a given week. I usually just ask my wife, what should I do this week? And she will tell me what I should do this week. So that's, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, been a real problem this week in, in our house, not knowing what the, the menu was. And as a result, went and got uh, sandwiches for tape from takeout today. So instead of cooking, cause we didn't know what we were going to cook. Uh, you made a reference to, to future John, and that's something that I want to dig into a little bit more. Everything we've talked about so far is really about introducing a positive habit into our lives, which is definitely half of it. Let's take a break, though, and when we come back, I want to talk about the other half, which is removing a negative habit. One of the big reasons that we often feel like we're short on time is that we will wait to the last minute to get things done. In a sense, we all procrastinate to some degree. Going back to that coffee example, again, prepping coffee the night before sounds like an easy thing to do. I still am not doing it. Why don't we do things more consistently when we know they're going to be on our plate tomorrow? Let's talk a bit about what procrastination is, aside from the obvious definition. John, have you ever heard the term time inconsistency or dynamic inconsistency? I can't say I have. You've actually heard of it, maybe not by that name. So basically, it's the notion that we're a different decision maker today than we will be at any other point for the same decision. Humans will naturally overvalue a reward that's sitting in front of us while devaluing a future reward. So basically, we do what feels good now. And for anybody who hears this and, and thinks of the Stanford marshmallow experiment, that's essentially what we're talking about. And John, you might have heard about that. I, I am familiar with that example. Is that the one where they put a marshmallow in front of a child and told them if they wait a certain amount of time, they could have what uh, a reward of two marshmallows or something like that? Yep, that's exactly it. And wow. Yeah, and researchers actually saw a correlation between the kids who could delay that gratification 
and positive life outcomes generally. I'm talking about things like health and academics and a range of other things. And I know it's a bit of a contested result and, and people have you know a number of, of concerns with, with what that experiment means and how it was conducted, but it still stands as something that gets a lot of discussion and is, uh, is definitely a hallmark. Now, it, it goes beyond that one simple decision of having a marshmallow today versus two in a minute. It actually spans a bit more time. So let's say, John, I'm your boss and I say, John, you're a good guy. You did good work. Summer's coming up. I will let you take a day off this summer, or if you want to wait until the fall when busy season's over, I'll give you the extra hour during the last day of work's lunch hour the day before you take off, right? So not a whole lot more, but a little bit more. What are you more likely to choose? Based on the, I guess, I don't know if you call it risk, not risk or reward, but... In that scenario that you described, I'm, I'm totally going to take the time off in the summer. I'll, I'll admit I'm going to be that person. Yeah, most will. Now, the interesting thing is, if I were to say, John, not only do I think you're a great, outstanding employee, I think you're going to continue to be one, and I have no problems giving you that same deal 10 years from now. What researchers have found, and, and this is where that dynamic inconsistency really comes from as well, people who made the same decision you just did, I'm going to take the day off early because an extra hour at lunch isn't that much. Those same people, if you give them that deal 10 years from now, they're actually flipping that decision. They're going to say, I might as well take that extra lunch day because the difference between now and a couple months from now, when it's 10 years down the road, seems like a much different prospect to us. Sure, and and I see the the correlation between the, I guess, the long-term and short-term gratification there is, is how I would put it. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a byproduct of our lizard brain. You know, we yep. we treat the, the the current state person a little bit different than the future state person. It, it really comes down to current state John is the doer, right? It's the, the future state John is the thinker. He doesn't actually have to, to put pen to paper or, or make a choice. He kind of gets to live in that ivory tower of the future. And that's just not where current day John is. So it's it's a much different thought. Given that we have that inclination, it's not really surprising that a lot of people do procrastinate, but I don't know if this is the same for you. Whenever I procrastinate, it's, that task isn't just out of my mind because I decide not to do it. It weighs on me until my due date. I, I don't think I'm alone in that. No, you're, you're definitely not. And depending on the, the weight or the gravity of the task, it, it weighs on me throughout weekends or, or the, the work week forever, how long I put it off. But it's always in the back of my mind. Right. But then the kicker is the minute we not even get it done, the minute we even start to work on the thing we procrastinate on, it's like that weight lifts. Right. So why do we let that get to us so much? Yeah, no, I'm totally the type of person that I'll admit it's not a healthy habit that I have. But even as soon as I start working on that task that I've been delaying, I'll, I'll try to reward myself with a with a break a little bit earlier than something that I had just kind of dove right into without putting off for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's, that's actually not an unhealthy concept, and a lot of researchers and experts in the field would actually say what you're doing is a great way to beat procrastination, right? Yeah. yeah. If, if our me. brain, yeah, you're, you're ahead of the curve. The idea is, you know, if our brains really are hardwired to care more about a reward that's in the moment rather than a reward in the future, what can we do to, to really tie that reward of the future to the current moment. You give an example with work. An example I can do from home is 
folding laundry. I don't fold a lot of laundry. I kind of let it sit in a pile. Not the best way to, to do laundry. I put that off and a lot of times instead I say, you know what's better than folding laundry is sitting on my couch and watching reruns on Netflix. Feels really great in the moment. Doesn't really do much for me in the long term. So what I can do is say, all right, look, I will only allow myself to watch that rerun if I'm folding laundry at the same time. So it's a way to beat procrastination by tying the long-term objective, not being a bum and having my laundry taken care of, to an immediate gratification, which is sitting on the couch watching Netflix. That's a great example. And if I had to give uh, an example of something similar, I would have chosen the laundry example. Um, Not that I reward myself with watching television, but I, I do put off laundry. Um, another example I can give is uh, or of something similar, doing dishes. Rachel and I tend to try to make it as fun as we can, so we'll play music as we're doing that. But dishes are another thing that, that we put off, and I will fully admit, she, she, if she's listening to me right now, she's saying, what do you mean, we? Because <laughs> <laughs> she definitely takes the, the grunt of it. She is, uh, she's a godsend when it comes to keeping this house clean. See, that's one thing that I, I, of the many things I love about my wife, one of the things that really works well between us, really synergizes well, is I'm more of a morning person and she's more of a night person. And by the grace of God, I'm here with you recording this episode. You know, it's not even late at night. It's nine. It's not even nine o'clock. We got seven minutes till nine. It's not even nine. I'm still tired. I do not get a lot done after my daughter's bedtime. But she can kind of go into to full work mode up till midnight versus in the morning, our kid wakes up super early. I can get up and be there because I have energy like my daughter has energy. So we really work very well in that regard. That's great. And you're fortunate because Rachel and I are pretty much synced in the fact that after dinner, after we've logged on that second time, if we do, um, it's pretty much a, you know no man's land after we'll say 830. If we're on the couch, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. So... That example is trying to tie a short-term benefit to the long-term desired outcome. We can also go in the opposite direction as well. We both indicated, hey, maybe we should work out a little bit more, try to get rid of this COVID-19 that uh, at least I know I gained over the last year or so. But right now, there's not a whole lot taxing my lizard brain about staying in bed. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. The only person I'm hurting is long-term Brian, and he's not here yet, right? He's days away. But if I said, John, let's meet to go for a run, and if I don't show up or if you don't show up, we agree to call the other person and berate them until they feel absolute shame. That way, we're tying a very real, immediate pain point to a more long-term pain point that we might not feel today, but we will tomorrow. So it's kind of the the same vein as rewarding ourselves early is is tying a punishment early as well. Yeah, the situation you describe is pretty much the relationship I have with with a, a certain friend. Not that it's been spoken that you berate me if I don't do certain things, but it, it just happens. If we made plans or we made an agreement and one of us decides to bail, uh, you bet the other's hearing yeah. it. Now, we can also amp that up a little bit more with something called a commitment mechanism. And this is where I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a turn. John, did you read the Odyssey in high school like I think a lot of us did? So we did not actually have to read the Odyssey. Um, We did go a little bit into the Iliad, but it wasn't really a full-blown, you have to read this. And if it was 
uh, I, I sure as heck didn't do it. <laughs> okay, well, let this be a, a little bit of a, a, an English lesson, I guess you could sure. say, talking about Odysseus and uh, and his adventures. Great. Yeah, along the way home, Odysseus is, and I'm I already sound cringy in my mind the way I'm gonna kind of <laughs> put all this, and and I am not a uh, a scholar, so this is this is the most Cliff's Notes Odyssey for Dummies version of this anybody's ever heard, but Odysseus gets clued in about these monsters called sirens who lure sailors to their deaths by singing to them, and I'm sure there's a whole lot of nuance in this story that I'm missing, so everybody please forgive me for that, but the idea here is he comes up with a plan. He orders all of his men to stuff their ears with beeswax so they don't hear the siren's call. They can sail by the siren's island. Everybody is safe and happy and continues on their way. But Odysseus is very curious. He wants to know what that song sounds like. So he orders his men to tie him to the mast as they sail past the sirens and orders them to ignore any of his pleas to be released. That concept is basically what is called a commitment mechanism. The current state Odysseus makes a commitment now that binds that future state to a certain outcome, right? So how do we apply this to procrastination? Let's look again at that morning exercise routine example. So I call you if you don't show up, you call me if I don't show up. But we can take that to a whole nother level by saying, not only will I call you to chew you out for not showing up, we're going to make a gentleman's agreement that on any given day, if I show up and you don't, you owe me 20 bucks and vice versa. So we're building a commitment mechanism that is going to really guide us and force our hand to do in the current state what we know the future state self would want to do. So anyway, those are those are my tales of procrastination. And again, this this isn't me doling out advice that is tried and true on my end. This is stuff that I'm really kicking around doing myself and, and I really need to put in place because procrastination is uh, is kind of hard to beat. But uh, I think it's something that if I could do a little bit better and combine with really prepping my day, a lot of that short change time that I, I feel like is slipping away from me, I think I'd get a lot of it back because, again, it's it's not that I don't have enough time in my day to get things done. It's that I'm trying to cram things in way too much into the, the few moments where I kind of have the realization that I have to get them done, right? If I could spread those out more evenly throughout my day, I'd be in a lot better shape. No, without a doubt. And as part of doing a little bit of research on the topic myself, one thing I came across that, that, that stuck with me was the, the concept of decision paralysis. The idea that we have this freedom to make our own decisions that we become so easily confused as to what's priority and what's not. You're, you're kind of overwhelmed by choice that you sometimes are just naturally inclined to make sometimes the wrong decision. I think the you're kind of hitting the nail on the head as far as maybe make the a little bit easier on yourself in the future but unfortunately current state and current day john is the only one that i know and future state john's just that he's in the future and i haven't met him yet so he's not my problem <laughs> actually you'd say a paralysis by analysis or or, or decision paralysis mm. Uh, here's a parenting tip for anybody listening as well, because I actually use that paralysis to my advantage with my daughter. Any moment she's going super crazy, what I've found, all I have to do is give her a choice between one of a few things, and she stops being crazy, scratches her chin, goes, hmm, and makes that choice. It doesn't matter what it is. 
and she'll just calm down and kind of reorient herself. So that paralysis is actually a very useful <laughs> tool for the uh, the parent of a toddler. <laughs> Parenting pro tips from Brian. <laughs> yeah. Some, you know, honestly, sometimes I'll just give her several different colored bowls and ask her to choose one. I don't even put any food in the bowl. I just hand her bowls <laughs> and have her pick one. And then she's as happy as a clam after that. It's amazing. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, on a more work-related note, uh, I I do see a lot of people suffering from that paralysis by analysis, and I'm I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I do a pretty good job of getting put on a project and getting things done. And I think a lot of times I'm not doing anything special. What I come in and do is the people working on the project often are in that state of paralysis by analysis. They've seen so much go on in the project's history. They see all these different decisions that can be made, and they let all of it kind of swarm over them, and the result is nothing gets done. All I come in and do is ask a few pointed questions and basically do the same thing I do with my daughter. I say, hey, here's the first decision point. Do we want to do this or that? Oh, we're going to do that? Great. Okay, next decision point is this. And I just keep going through that with the stakeholders on the team and eventually come up with a fairly linear project plan for how we move from where we are today to the finish line. And it goes pretty quickly and well from there. It's not that anybody doesn't have the, the skill or expertise to get the job done. They're just not putting it in that clear path because they're letting that paralysis by analysis set in. Brian Seipel, the project whisperer. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's that's how I feel sometimes. I like it. You're you're the project guru. <laughs> I, I I never want to have the word guru assigned to me. That has such a a cheesy connotation. You look on LinkedIn, and I don't know if it's that way anymore, but I know a number of years ago, nobody could just be a project manager. Everybody had to be a synergy guru, and it's like, come on, guys, are, are we are we taking ourselves seriously, or is everybody in on a joke that I'm just it's like not as in cheesy as like the love doctor or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's I, you know, it's it's uh, people put a little too much stock in in uh, honorific titles like guru. <laughs> it's all about building the brand, Brian. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess in that in that sense, maybe we should be some kind of guru so we can get this podcast off the ground and get some listeners. <laughs> there you go. So there you have it, episode five. Uh, hopefully everybody got some good tips on how to make the most of their day, either at work or at home. Uh, and until next time, thanks for listening. I know I sure uh, got some parenting pro tips that I'm going to be utilizing in the future, I think. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's my whole new podcast I'll be building out after uh, this podcast crashes and burns. Yeah, the, the, the Big Balance Media Company, it, that'll be one of our spinoffs, <laughs> right? <laughs> It'll be the Big Baby Podcast. <laughs> there you go. I think you got it. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.